You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com. And I'm joined by Frank Tucker, representing the Crib, South Florida, also recruiting analyst for Canes County. We represent for the rivals.com network so make sure you subscribe to the website use the first 30 days for free by using the promo code miami30 also subscribe to this youtube channel live from canes county and also subscribe to this podcast on all platforms the storm tracker podcast this week frank we've got louisville uh battling for the golden boots i, I think it is uh it's a trophy game now battling for uh, a trophy that's in honor of Howard Schnellenberger. But it's a big game because two reasons, man. You kind of want to see the Miami Hurricanes bounce back from the loss against Florida State and not kind of, you know, wallow in their misery after losing a big game and losing several games this season. But also you kind of want to knock off a team that it has – aspirations of maybe even getting into the college football playoff certainly winning this game for louisville actually punches their ticket to the acc championship game this week though frank mario cristobal has decided to go with tyler van dyke at quarterback and i think it was not so much a shock that he named uh well that that Tyler Van Dyke is the starter, but the fact that he named him <laughs> was a surprise to me because usually Chris Ball is very candid about these situations. When you heard the news, Frank, what were your first thoughts? I thought that Jakari Brown probably doesn't want to play football this year at the University of Miami. That's what I thought, honestly. It, it, it seems like Miami's only option right now is Tyler Van Dyke, unfortunately. And we know that that decision to go a different direction was made last week. And unfortunately, Emory Williams broke his arm. But, man, I I, I wish, I wish they would give Jakari Brown a shot. It, it's just, it's frustrating to see Tyler Van Dyke back out there because I think the arm talent is there. I think that he, he has the capabilities of being one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. But their confidence just seems broken. and. The question is, does that confidence come back after you just benched him? Is he Jalen Milrow? I don't know if he is. So it's a little frustrating Frustrating that we're back in the same spot we were in just two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, certainly is. Um, he comes off unconfident kind of on the field. But when you experience him in person, like in these press conferences, he comes off very confident. So I don't know if it's just a body language thing with him or he is actually that confident. I think that's really a question. I think many Hurricanes fans have, uh, including ourselves. Is he confident enough to kind of make throws in a big spot? Will he be confident enough to get through a game if he throws another early pick? which I think is kind of one of the keys to this game, Frank. Do you think he is confident enough to make a big throw in a big spot if he's forced to in this game against Louisville? I don't know if going into the game he will be, but I think that Louisville is susceptible to letting him gain that confidence. We've seen Louisville in the games that they've struggled in this year 
whether that was Indiana or Boston College or Georgia Tech or Pitt. I mean, Pitt, they didn't allow a ton of passing yards, I think under 50% completion, but still there were some big plays on offense that they allowed where we've seen them allow passers to put up big numbers, close to 300 yards, uh, multiple touchdowns. Uh, They allow you to throw the football. My thing is, is TVD going to be able to take the game over against a defense that doesn't allow you to rush the fuck, rush the football? Because I don't think this is going to be a Mark Fletcher game. We know that A.J. Allen is banged up. Uh, I don't think that Brashard Smith has the confidence of the staff uh, just based on his work ethic and, and, and his consistency of, of making the right decision. We saw him make that that uh, personal foul penalty during the Florida State game that was just so unnecessary. I, I just don't think this is going to be a game that, that we're going to be able to rely on the run game like we have against Florida State for large parts or uh, NC State when Mark Fletcher was doing well or the Virginia game or, or even the Clemson game. It, it's not going to be a game where Miami's going to be able to run the football even with that exceptional offensive line that they had. So Miami's going to have to take advantage – of what is a suspect back end of the Louisville defense. Overall, I think that he can gain that confidence early. But like you said, the turnovers just have to stay away because that's when Louisville is at their best. When they're making plays on the back end, they're able to get that high-powered offense that is that Purdue scheme under Brom uh, on the field. Jack Plummer knows that offense. He's a fifth-year senior. He's going to make plays. Um, and, And despite, you know, Miami's defense being good, I think this has to be a shootout for Miami to win it. I don't think it will be, uh, to be honest, because I think both of these defenses are are pretty damn good. And, you know, I just don't see these offenses scoring a ton of points uh, in this game. But um, stranger things have happened here. Before we dive in more into the game, I do want to dive in more into this quarterback situation, Frank, because you said something that was pretty – Poignant. It, it, the fact that you said that Ja'Cory Brown may not want to play football anymore. Why would he feel that way? You know, like why, why would he, you know, I, I guess not want to play himself. I, I, w- I would, I would think maybe the coaches maybe want to hold him back, put on the, sh- put him on the shelf, you know, and not, I guess, risk his confidence or injury in, in this type of game. But why wouldn't he want to be out there and really kind of show what he can do? Why risk it? Why risk it? I know that people are going to say, oh, he doesn't even have to burn his red shirt if he plays these these last few games. Right. Why put yourself in a position for injury uh, when you know that you're going somewhere else? I think that decision was almost made when Emory Williams was on the path to be the backup quarterback. When we heard rumblings in the spring and into the fall, uh, especially at last scrimmage, about uh, Emory Williams potentially being the future of this program, that was kind of the writing on the wall for me with Jakari Brown. And everything that we've seen is kind of shown that that's the truth. He hasn't been a guy that has even been in conversation for competition, even when things seem to open up. This week, Tyler Van Dyke was named the starter. They didn't even make it a competition. Where They're not putting any packages in for him. He could have played against FSU and still redshirted the rest of the year. You can utilize, in the, in the red zone especially, and on the goal line, you can utilize him as a Wildcat quarterback to where he's showcasing 
what is his best trait, and that's his legs. And they don't even utilize that. So for me, it has to be that the kid don't want to play because I know that this staff sees that they're they have to see that there's some sort of value that he could bring to the offense because last year it was utilized. Remember, there were packages put in at the beginning of the year, even when he wasn't throwing the football, that they were putting that wildcat package in there, just trying to get him involved, keep him, keep him, you know, involved with the offense and, and, and keeping everybody on their toes when Tyler Van Dyke was still entrenched as the starting quarterback. So for me, it's, it's just weird to see a kid that was a former blue chip type kid, uh, had the pedigree coming out of Lowndes. Uh, you know, he knocked off teams like Miami Northwestern. He was a guy that Mario Cristobal in his first half cycle, I guess you could say, prioritized in being part of that initial class. The only thing I could see why he is not getting any opportunity to play is that he doesn't want to. It's, it's the only thing that makes sense for me. That sucks to hear if that if that is the truth, because I still want to see Jakari Brown. I still want to see him at least in some packages or something like that. I think that would add a nice wrinkle to this game and for the final three games of the season, if you want to count the bowl game. So I, I definitely do want to see more of more of that or some of that uh, from from this Miami offense. Uh, but let's talk about Louisville. I personally think that they are fool's gold when it comes to that nine and one record. I think they're a good team. I think they're a top 25 team. But as far as like being a team that should be considered for the national championship, I don't think this is that that caliber of a team. This is a team that, you know, did not play Florida State, did not play uh, North Carolina. These are the top teams that Miami played. And I, I don't think, yeah, they had that signature win against Notre Dame, who is also a good team, but I don't think as good as a, as a Florida State. So, you know, what are your thoughts on on Louisville and just kind of, you know, Miami's chances, I guess, uh, against a team that, you know, has a one loss record, but maybe not be as good as the record shows. Louisville is the epitome of the ACC, right? Can you finish close games? That, that's the only thing that Louisville has shown that they can do. They, they, they've knocked off Indiana in a close result. They've knocked off Notre Dame and a close result. They've knocked off Virginia Tech uh, and Duke. And and it was Duke with uh, banged up Riley Leonard, right? Like, I don't think these are signature wins. Murray State struggled against Georgia Tech in the opening week. Struggled against Virginia last week. Listen, I think that they're a good team, like you said. They're a top 25 team. But are they a top 10 program? Like, are we putting them in the same breath as – let's say a uh, uh, Georgia or an Alabama or, or somebody who's fighting for the college football playoff. Absolutely not. If, if a few plays swing a different direction, we're looking at a team that's closer to Miami's record than we are nine and one. And, and I feel like that's why I'm not discouraged about what happened with Miami this year at six and four is because they could realistically be an eight and two team. If, good quarterback play was there or if they were able to finish off some games or 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 you know cut down on a few turnovers here and there everything has been close at times and that's how the ACC has been all year long I think Louisville is coming in here with some confidence this is a Super Bowl for pretty much any team in ACC even when Miami is down because it's a it's it's something that you can use in recruiting we were able to knock off Miami 
that NIL power that they got over there. We were able to knock them off, right? Uh, we got a quarterback that's a fifth-year senior that was like a former walk-on. It, it, we were able to knock them off. So they're going to come in motivated. Uh, I just hope that Miami is able to not be derailed by a loss from Florida State that was close and almost use it as a building block. We know Mario Cristobal is going to go into this week of practice or he came into this week of practice with a ton of energy. We saw it last week against Florida State. We know that defense is going to be on point, and I think that the receivers are still going to be up to par. It's just a question of Tyler Van Dyke. And you asked me what the chance is of Miami winning this game. They got a chance in every game the rest of the year because they have that defense. They have the, the base of upwards of four running backs that can make plays. They do have Colby Young, who's a playmaker. Jacoby George shined in multiple games this season, especially last week against Florida State. And Restrepo is a dependable guy. So I think that there are pieces that can keep Miami in this. It's just a matter of winning that turnover battle, taking advantage of a, what is a suspect back end of that Louisville defense, and limiting what is a fast-paced, air raid-type offense of Louisville that – is reminiscent of what they, they did under Rondell Moore with Rondell Moore at Purdue and, and, and David Bell at Purdue and, and guys like that. They're going to try to get their slot receivers in space, make big plays in the passing game, and, and try to take advantage of what could be a young back end of the Miami defense, depending on what the situation is of both corner spots. So we're going to see about that. I do think that Miami is going to keep this one close, even if they lose this one. Uh, it's just been the M.O. of Miami as of late. Uh, I got the highlights of uh, Virginia and Louisville playing here on the YouTube channel. And I'm playing this game because, to your point, they are a middle-of-the-road kind of ACC team, just like Miami is. Let's just face it. They're like this – there's there's a middle-of-the-road that pretty much damn near every ACC team – is on and Louisville struggle with this team, Virginia last week and Virginia was playing with, with their backup quarterback, Calandria, uh, not, not musket uh, like we saw. Um, so Miami battled against Virginia came out with, with a win uh, in that game. Louisville battled against Virginia came out with a win uh, as well. So these teams are definitely a lot more equal than the records suggest. And just like that game against Virginia and just like that game against, uh, I think, NC State, this is where the coordinators should make their money here, right? This is this is where Lance Guidry, who, who just got nominated for the Broyles Award uh, this week, this is, this is why he was not – what we see on Saturday, we're hoping to – for it to be evidence of what, of why he was nominated for the award, because I think they can scheme to win this game, you know, because their running back, Jawar Jordan, didn't play in that pit game, right? And that's the one loss that they played. Basically, uh, one loss, one loss that they had on the season. So basically, what that tells me is like, you take him out of the game, you have a good chance to win the game. So my guess is that they scheme to try to stop their running back, Jordan. If they do that, you force a quarterback that has been prone to make mistakes this year and plumber. 
So I think that is going to be the game plan going in. And from what we've seen from Gidry this season, I don't see any reason why this defense doesn't execute the plan. And then it all comes back to the offense once again. And just like the, this NC State game didn't go Miami's way because of turnovers, that could be the same situation in this game. Because Miami could have definitely won that game against NC State, but turnovers did them in. So I would hope that with knowing that TVD makes a change here and holds on to the football because he said in the press conference today that in that particular game that he basically forced the ball to Jacoby George in the end zone. He was doing too much. He's, he's by his own admission. He said he made dumb mistakes. So if he just eliminates the dumb mistakes, then Miami has a good chance to win this game, get some turnovers, get the crowd going into this game and come out with a victory uh, for the hurricanes on senior day. So the other thing too is uh, besides Gidry is, is Dawson, you know, like how is Dawson going to manage this situation? Is he going to kind of try to turn uh, TVD loose here? Or is he going to go with the same game script as he did with Emery Williams, you know, against a Clemson or in, in, in most of that game against Florida state. Do you think Dawson turns him loose and lets it rip by, by what he said in a press conference a while back? Or will we see a lot of dinking and dunking and short screen passes and, you know, zone reads up the middle? I I hope that he lets it rip because that's where the weakness of this Louisville defense is, is letting it rip and making plays against them through the passing game. You're not going to run on Louisville. That You're not going to do that. Every highlight you see against Louisville is – Either them making a TFL or like they uh, they only allow teams to rush for three yards per carry. That is ridiculous on a season, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that is that is a wild number. And then on top of that, they don't allow teams to rush for a hundred yards a game. A combined hundred yards per game, not a hundred yard rusher. They don't let they, ninety one yards per game is what they allow. That means they are a dominant defense, and they're top fifteen in the top 15 defense in all of college football because of that front seven and the, what they're able to do with Ashton Gillett and guys like that. So I, I hope that Miami's able to put guys in motion yeah. in this air raid attack, see some of the stuff that we saw against Texas A&M where they utilize the run game, but I think our highest, our, our leading rusher had about like 70 yards, not a hundred or 120 or 140. That's not going to be what, what wins Miami the game this week. And, Listen, I, I think that overall there were times where the scheme worked against Florida State with Emory Williams, but you're not going to get the same play from Tyler Van Dyke that you got from Emory Williams. The the running over defensive backs on, on runs, right? And that tough play and, and trying to play the field position. About that, you, you have no threat of the quarterback doing anything outside the pocket. So yeah. if you decide to just do the dink and dunk thing, I think that Louisville is going to start to play real aggressive. And if you stay yeah. with that conservative mindset, they're going to make plays eventually. You have to threaten Louisville down the field. You have to try to get Jacoby George in space, not just on screens. 
right? Maybe maybe a lot of mesh routes or 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 drags on different parts of the field or slants. Try to get guys on the move and get the ball out of Tyler Van Dyke's hand quick. But maybe attack the middle of the field. We never see Tyler Van Dyke attack the middle of the field. Everything is outside the hatches, near the numbers, and it's a struggle to watch because we, we know we're going to get. It's inside zone, outside zone, maybe a little counter or something like that. Then we're going to see screens and then verticals. That It's the Tyler Van Dyke scheme. You're going to get out routes that teams are going to just kind of jump on because TVD waited too long in the pocket, can't move, and then he throws a late ball to somebody uh, near the sidelines, right? And again, and again, and again, they make a play on it. I mean, we saw at the end of the game, Tyler Van Dyke gives us hope. He makes a couple of passes to Colby Young. And then he throws an ill-advised pass because he can't make anything happen with his legs. And he just forces the throw. They That cannot happen this week. Get Tyler Van Dyke. Get the ball out of Tyler Van Dyke's hands quickly. Quickly get Jacoby George in space. Get Colby Young in space. And I think that you can make some things happen because Louisville on the back end is suspect. And look at we just saw Plummer make a make a dumb mistake because that's what he does sometimes. That's why he's not a, a big time NFL prospect. Right. Let the defense make some plays, and Miami can win this one 110%. And if you win this one, you possibly get to nine wins, which in this up yeah. and down season is well, I listen. Put Mario Cristobal up for coach of the year if Miami gets the nine <laughs> wins with everything that has gone this year. I, I yeah, it has been it has been an up and down year to say the least. It's very similar to Louisville last year, in my opinion, where they went what seven and five, seven and six, or something right. along those lines, right? Like, right. It, Louisville was close last year. They were, I think, Louisville last year is very similar to Miami this year. They almost knocked off Florida State. They had a ton of close games, right? It's the same thing. And, and if and if you get better quarterback play, which is what Plummer has given to Louisville at times this year with a mix of a really good running back, and you see what happens. Nine and one in ACC, which is winnable. Yeah. Uh, the thing I worry about with Tyler Van Dyke trying to throw the ball, you know, deep and, you know, hit windows is that he's inaccurate sometimes he's underthrown balls right so what was great that i saw from emory williams last week was the fact that he did two things well three things you could say he didn't turn the ball over right that's number one number two emory ran the ball a couple of times on some third downs <laughs> and you know maybe a couple of times maybe he should have slid or you know um but you know, he he ran with conviction and you kind of want to see that from Tyler Van Dyke. And when it wasn't there or if he couldn't run, what did he do? He didn't put the football in the harm's way. He just took a sack. Sometimes the best play for a quarterback is just to take a sack and to, you'll just live to play another down. And I think when we saw the stats at the beginning of the season, where Miami wasn't allowing like a sack. I think they allowed one in the first four games or something like that. I think part of that is fool's gold because, I mean, the offensive line has been great. Let me not take away any credit from the offensive line. It's been outstanding this year. But Tyler Van Dyke has this resistance to not, you know, take a sack. 
And I think he should start to do that, especially when you have a defense playing as well as they have been. You've got a Lou Groza semifinalist as your kicker. You Sometimes you got to take the three points. Sometimes it, you, you have to settle for the short throw, the check down throw, or run the football and get some yardage to get the first down. I think the problem with TVD is not so much his quarterbacking skills. It's more so his decision-making skills, which of course is part of quarterbacking. But I think that is the main issue with Tyler Van Dyke. And I think he, if he just doesn't make these dumb mistakes, like he said, then of course Miami could win almost all of these games and definitely can win this game on Saturday against uh, Louisville. Um, I got to push back on what you said about Cristobal being coach of the year. I'm sorry if since he didn't take the knee in that I'm game. I'm saying if he wins nine, if he wins this game, if he wins nah, this still, game. Still, not with, the, game, not with the gap against Georgia Tech. I'm sorry. That's one of the most all-time worst gaffes in college football, football history for a coach. You can't win the coach of the year award when you when you make that type of mistake. You know what I'm saying. I'm being I'm I'm exaggerating, but I think that this program, if you get sure. this win, which is a, yet another signature win, right? You go you if in one season you beat Texas A&M, Clemson, and a ranked Louisville team, I think that that's progression, right? You got nine wins with a bowl game win, right? Going into a season where you have a top ten recruiting class, you know they're going to hit the transfer portal hard. That means that things are going in the right direction, in my opinion. So uh, a win here, this is a must win for me This at the end of this season. I know it's going to be a tough one because of the quarterback situation, but let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, man, because I think Miami's got a shot. This is a gritty team. I, I don't think that Miami's going to allow some of the big plays that teams have allowed against this Louisville offense. Um, and I And I think that, there is potential for Tyler Van Dyke to have a Texas A&M type game because I don't trust the back end of this Louisville defense. And I'm going to say that time and time again. And I hope he proves me right. I hope TVD comes out and has like 300 yards, 350 yards with three touchdowns and maybe just one interception. I'll take just one interception in this game. So if, if that happens, I like Miami's chances. It's going to be – I think it's overall going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a good game. I think Miami's got the right coaching staff in place. And once they get that quarterback situation figured out next year, we're going to see a much different Miami team because I think that majority of this squad comes back. You're going to see a few guys leave potentially, but overall majority of it comes back with an inclusion of talent that can make immediate impacts in that 2024 class with the rise of some guys in the 2023 class, especially at like the linebacker position and at receiver and safety. So there's yeah. bright things on the horizon, and if a win here could catapult that in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying that Chris Ball doesn't have this program in the right direction because I, I absolutely do think so. I think this team is miles ahead of what they were last year, and the young guys that they recruited are going to continue to develop. They're going to bring in more transfers because they had – you could argue that they had the best success with, with transfers this season with how they're producing on the field as much as they're playing uh, this season. So, yeah, I, I think Chris Wall definitely has this team in the right direction. 
we'll see what happens indeed on Sunday of Saturday. Sorry. Um, and of course the next two games as well. MVP standout players. Who, who do you think stands out in this game uh, for Miami on both sides of the football? Offensively, it's got to be TVD. It's got to be TVD if they want to win this game. And defensively, I think it's got to be Malanoa once again. If you can, like you said before, if you can neutralize this Louisville rushing attack, you got a chance. And we have seen Malanoa put up huge numbers in the TFL category. His ability to make plays behind the line of scrimmage is second to none maybe in college football at the linebacker position. So I think if he has a big game, if Tyler Van Dyke has a big game, it's going to open things up for what is a Miami roster that I think has playmakers that can take advantage of what could happen Saturday. Like if TVD's balling, we know that Jacoby George and Restrepo and Colby Young are balling, just like we saw against Texas A&M. If Malinoa is, is being a central figure in stopping this Louisville rushing attack, we know that Cam Pinchins is going to make plays in the back end. We've seen Damari Brown uh, grow throughout the year. We've seen Jadias Richard do really well against what is maybe the best receiver in college football this season in Keon Coleman, right? Like, oh, time and time again, the defense has stepped up, but the central figure in that is – for instance, uh, Kiko Malanoa. And if he has a big game, I like what Miami's going to be able to do defensively. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back to the OC, man. The OC has to have a big game. This has to be his best called game of the season. I mean, you know what you got at this point, you know, as far as personnel is concerned. You know you can use Brashard Smith out of the backfield. You know that, you know, you can run – uh, Jacoby George out of the backfield is, is, as well. You can do different things with Xavier Restrepo and expect him to have a bounce back game. Surprisingly, didn't have a catch against Florida State. Expect him to definitely show up in a big way uh, against Louisville. I think this is a Shannon Dawson game where we're like, okay, this is why uh, – my uh, Mario hired this guy. I Ken Dorsey got fired. A lot of people are, are, are calling for Dorsey uh, to come back to Miami. I don't think there's a chance at all uh, for that to happen. And a lot of there's been a lot of pushback on on Dawson. I think Dawson is a good offensive coordinator. I think he just hasn't had the quarterback play to play above average for him. I think it's been average to below average for the most part. I'm playing this Texas A&M game because, you know, this is kind of the last game it feels that that Tyler Van Dyke played well against a pretty uh, tough opponent, I, I, I guess I would say. I mean, that's no knock against Temple or Bethune or Miami of Ohio, but Texas A&M is a little bit of a higher level than those teams. So want TBD to kind of show up like he showed up in this game. As you can see, he completed a pass to, you know, Kobe Young. So that that that's the guy I'm hoping show up. I, I think everyone else on the offense will. You know, um, Tyler Van Dyke is kind of a flip of the coin or wait and see. We'll see what happens. But Shannon Dawson, I expect him to have a great offensive uh, play calling game against Louisville. On defense, I want to see the man in the middle really show up again because it, it – uh, it seems like Leonard Taylor shows up at times, 
and he kind of doesn't. And I think in, in, in a game like this where stopping the run is going to be really key to a victory, you want your big man in the middle, your first potential first-round pick, to really kind of show up in this game. So I'm hoping he does for the Miami Hurricanes on Saturday. So we'll save our predictions for, you know, uh, uh, KanesCounty.com. Tune in for that. Let's talk a little bit about high school ball, Frank. Uh, we're going into the real playoff week now. Uh, and, you know, a lot of matchups with some great players, targets, commits. What really stands out to you this week when it comes to the high school ball playoffs here in South Florida? What stands out to me is we're finally starting to see some competitive matchups. You got Palm Beach Central versus Benjamin, which is arguably the top two Two of the top three teams in Palm Beach County going at it. Wade and Charles, a 2025 commit from Miami, going against going against a solid Benjamin team who has uh, Chauncey Bowens at running back, a Georgia commit. Uh, you know, Kamari Williams is another guy who's a Miami target at receiver in 2025 playing in this game. I think this is going to be a really good game that comes down to the wire and probably the top game. Um, in Palm Beach County. Another game that's really interesting is West Boca versus Coconut Creek. Uh, this is a game that went down to the wire earlier this year. J.P. Mallory had 264 total yards in that game, 200 receiving, which is super surprising for more of a power back. He has been dominant this season. They knocked off. He had that in the same game? Yeah, 264 yards in a game, no total. And most of it came through the air. So, He's oh, uh he's one of the yeah 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 but he's been one of the more dominant players in South Florida this year. I do not expect that to stop this week despite them playing a really good Coconut Creek team. Um I also think that's going to be a really good game. Watch for Elijah Cannon in this game. He's a kid who's going to Oregon State this weekend. I would not be surprised as things get close to early signing day for teams to maybe jump in there because he is a, starting to solidify himself as a power 5 corner among circles and I wouldn't be surprised to see some bigger schools try jumping in when they miss out on some targets late in the process. Uh, another great game, Western versus Palmetto. This is going to be Ja'Cory Barney versus Kobe Howard. Love that matchup. This is, a, this is a game that we've seen multiple times. And listen, each team has gotten their share of, of victories in a way against each other. First time they played, Palmetto was able to knock them off with Jason Marshall and Leonard Taylor and Brashard Smith and all those guys. And then Miami and then Western was able to knock them off. And that was with James Williams on their team. So uh, Kobe Howard has been dominant this season, over 150 yards per game. We know Ja'Cory yeah. Barney and what he brings to the table as a Nebraska commit. There's obviously a bunch of other prospects in that game, like Davi Belford and, 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 you know, some guys on that Palmetto side, like Charquez Lee, who's more of a group of five linebacker, and Davion Dixon, a 2025 defensive tackle, who's a Miami target as well. Um, another game that I am looking Wait, before, forward before to. Before you go into before you go into the next game, because there's a bunch of targets in that one that you just named, heard a little smoke about Kobe Howard going to Florida State and kind of loving it up there during the game against Miami. What are you hearing about Kobe Howard, um, you know, and his, you know, liking of the Seminoles right now? Yeah, listen, I, I think part of it is he's a Pensacola native, so he's a panhandle kid. 
That was a chance for right. him to come back home. He's been down here in South Florida for the majority of 2023 thus far. Um, and I think that it was a chance for him to come back home, and he probably enjoyed that experience. I know that inside that situation, Miami is the dream school. And, and I think that it's probably going to be a, a situation that comes down to Miami and Florida State, like we see with majority of targets for both teams. But I do sure. still like where Miami's at in that situation. Miami does have an elite target list in 2025 receiver, and it's already been kicked off with Wade and Charles, who we mentioned at Palm Beach Central. Nashawn Montgomery is another guy that I feel confident ends up at the University of Miami. Kamari Williams, who I mentioned at Palm Beach Central, another guy. Plus guys like Marcus Harris, and who, who plays at Matter Day, and a number of players around the country that – it is one of the more elite classes we've seen at receiver in some time. I think it's better than that 2023 class, um, you know, outside of Jeremiah Smith, obviously. I think it's better than that 2020 class, better than that 2021 class. We've seen some really talented classes come out of especially South Florida receiver, and I think this might be the deepest one that we've seen in some time because there's so much talent. The physical profiles are there. You have a lot of kids that are six foot or taller that are already physically ready to play at the next level. Kobe fits that mold, and I think that Miami is deep in the race. Yeah, did he have a good time at Florida State? Absolutely. I don't think that there were many that didn't. It was a rowdy environment. It was a really good yeah. game, and Florida State does a good job recruiting. That is what it is. Miami and Florida State are going to be in battles for kids for the next 10 years. It, you got a really good coach in Mike Norvell, and then we know what Mario does in the trail as well. So I think we're back to old-school Miami-Florida State battles. Uh, which is what we saw last Saturday. And Kobe Howard's going to be right in the thick of that. Jakari Barney, though, are, are, is Miami still, you know, poking around there? I mean, I, is he solid with Nebraska? Nebraska didn't have a great season. I mean. I think that they, I think that they've kept tabs, but I don't think he budges, man. Matt Rule has done a good job of inspiring recruits to want to come to Nebraska. He is a really good recruiter. He did it at Baylor. He was able to convince the NFL that he was worthy of a job. So, sure. overall, I don't think that he's on a hot seat by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that, much like Miami, kids see it as an opportunity to play early at Nebraska. Corey Barney can play either side of the football. And yeah. if he want, if, if there's an opening or receiver, he's going to take advantage of that. He's also talented enough to play either cornerback or safety at the Power 5 level. So, I'm excited to see what he does at Nebraska. I don't think that he ends up at Miami. I think that Miami is more so looking at other in, in other directions, like the transfer portal mainly. Uh, that's where I feel like they're going to get a lot of receiver talent. Uh, you know, they're still in that Jeremiah Smith race. We're going to see what happens there. I think that still they're in there. Interesting. Huh? They're still in there. Florida State obviously has gained a it, lot made, of traction. Yeah, made a, a lot good of traction. Yeah, yeah, it made a good impression and. If you look at his social media, you don't see really anything that is involving Ohio State really anymore. So what does that mean, right? Does that mean that he's free game? Does that mean that he's going to Florida State? I think we'll see. There's still about a month to go until, you know, the early signing day period. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think Miami's still got a chance. They're going to have the – they're still going to have the final say-so as the hometown team. Right. Let's see what happens with the C.J. Bailey situation at quarterback. If Miami jumps in there, I love their chances at Jeremiah Smith. And if they do that, then you're not going to see him go after anybody else. Maybe not even in the portal too much. Because I do think that everything comes back uh, at Miami. I think he, 
you're going to see Colby Young come back. You're going to see Jacoby George come back. You know, we're going to start to see the rise of Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph. What, what, what's going to become of Robbie Washington, right? Isaiah Horton is still a pretty young player that has a lot of potential. There's talent in that Miami receiver room. You don't need to bring in too many guys because you want to bring in at least three in 2025. It's a deep class, and Miami has their eyes on a number of names. And then we know what's happening in 2026. You got Malachi Tony already committed. Daenerys Gray is the guy that is probably going to end up in Miami, in my opinion. Calvin Russell is a legacy prospect in so many different legs. He's yeah. probably going to be a guy that ends up in Miami if he doesn't end up playing basketball full-time. So right. if you add, if you bring in three receivers in every class, there's only so much room. Uh, so I, I like where Miami's at right now with JoJo Trader, Chance Robinson, who, yes, he is on flip watch. We'll see what happens with Ole Miss and Ohio State in his situation. And then Nikar, who is entrenched Miami all the way through. Um, and I do think that – I know that people are going to start to throw rumors out there with JoJo Trader. I think that Miami is completely locked in there. Do not worry. I would not worry about him ending up somewhere else. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Um, anything else as far as high school ball or anything else recruiting you want to talk about? Darian Jones, who is a, a Fort Myers defensive back in that 2025 class, is coming out with a top 10 soon. Um, okay. We did just we did just do an interview with him. Uh, Miami is looking like option number one right now. Obviously, that could yeah. change with about a year to go. Um, but I think that once that early dead period gets over and we start to get to that battle Miami time frame um, where it's the end of January and he takes another visit to Miami, watch out for a potential commitment there. I would not be surprised to see him as one of those guys early in 2024 that ends up at the University of Miami. All right. Good stuff from you, as always. Frank Tucker joining me on the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. You see his Twitter handle right there, the Crib South FLA. Also follow him on Instagram as well. Most importantly, subscribe to canescounty.com. Use the promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel, Live from Canes County. Already at 10K and counting. Uh, as far as subscribers is concerned on this YouTube channel, which continues to grow. And also you can follow this podcast on all platforms as well. That's going to wrap it up for us. CanesCounty.com Storm Tracker Podcast. Until next episode.